Welcome, everyone, to the Mitral Action Teleconference. Today is May 4th, 2012, and our topic today is Nine Tips to Ensure Your Insurer Pays Up. This is such a relevant topic for anyone who is a parent of a child with mitochondrial disease, an adult patient with mitochondrial disease, a family member of someone with mitochondrial disease, and really anyone with complex medical conditions. And our speaker today is Samir Shaw, and he'll be talking about some specific strategies that he has developed as he's gone through this experience himself. And Samir has developed a wonderful network and approach that really builds on his experience and some interesting skills that I feel like are so practical and relevant for us as the mito patient community to be able to put into practice. So, Samir... Really glad to have you with us today. Thank you. Before I hand it over to you, Samir, I just wanted to also point out to everyone that you can follow along on the slides for Samir's presentation online. So anyone listening to as a recording, you can find those at mitoaction.org slash insurance dash tips. Or if you're listening to the teleconference today, you can go to the uh, page on the home page that gives you the link to today's presentation, and you'll find the link on that announcement about today's call for the presentation slides, as well as a quick tips handout, which is really useful. If you have questions during the teleconference and would like to ask those of me, you can certainly email me, director at mitoaction.org, and I'll make sure that your questions get in line, and we'll have a great Q&A for the second half of our call today. So, uh, Samir, why don't I go ahead and hand it to you. You can tell us a little bit more about um, anything additional about yourself, and we'll go ahead and get started on the presentation as well. Thank you. After I got married, I noticed that my wife walked differently. And over the next two years, her muscles got weaker and weaker as we visited more and more doctors in our area. Forty doctors later, with many tests, lots of physical therapy, and a wheelchair, we still could not figure out what was wrong. Now, most of our insurance claims were paid, but with a few, like physical therapy, we waited and waited and waited, only to be told it was medically unnecessary. Does anyone relate? Oh, you're all muted. You can respond. <laughs> they can all relate, I'm sure. Today, we believe my wife has a mitochondrial disease. Her condition is improving with the cocktail, and she's able to care for our five-month-old baby after a mostly normal pregnancy. Now, I'm writing a book to show other people how we got our care, and today I want to share one part. Nine tips that you have the advantage in getting your bills paid, so you can get the most scientifically appropriate treatment. Now, you can follow along with either the handout I provided or the PowerPoint, whichever is easier. The handout has everything. The PowerPoint only has the main points. Now, my disclaimer, I'm not an attorney. I've learned all of what I'm about to share based on being personally affected by my wife's situation, combined with my own study of communication and leadership in the past. So I can't make any guarantees. My tips are about giving you the advantage, increasing the probability. Also, my experience is with private insurance, and while these strategies may help you with Medicaid or Medicare, I have no experience with these programs. So let's get started with tip number one. Check claims on your health insurance website every day. 
I use a program called LastPass website program to remember my passwords and automatically log into the websites. And that means checking claims every day only takes seconds. But by investing those seconds, you'll find out if there's a problem sooner. And the sooner then, you can do something about it. Tip number two. If you owe, find out who says you owe and why. After processing your claim, your health insurance company is going to put together something called an EOB, an explanation of benefits. It says how much they will pay and how much they expect you to pay. If they expect you to pay, it could be due to one of four reasons. It could be your deductible, how much you pay per year before your insurance pays. It could be your co-insurance. This is the percent of the bill you pay by 10% or 20% while the insurance pays the 90% or 80%. It could be your copayment, a set fee you pay to see a doctor or get a medicine, like $10, $15, or $20. If it's any of these three reasons, you have to pay. But when you see it on the insurer's website, wait until the doctor or lab bills you. If they don't bill you within a year, you may not even have to pay. And when they bill you, Make sure that what you see on their bill matches what's on the explanation of benefits. And if not, you need to get on the phone with the doctor's billing office. The fourth reason you'd be expected to pay is if the claim was denied. And if that's the reason, listen up for my other seven tips. Tip number three. If you're denied, call the insurer to get three pieces of information. The CPP the ICD-9, and the SPD. First, the CPT is the five-digit code used by the doctor to tell the insurance company what procedure was done. A muscle biopsy is 20200. A physical therapy evaluation is 977001. Second, the ICD-9 is a diagnosis code. For example, 781.2 is abnormality of gait. 277.87 is disorder of mitochondrial metabolism. Health insurance companies pay bills when what was done matches why it was done, when the procedure code fits with the diagnosis code. The clothes you wear, the pens you're taking notes with, the telephone that you're listening to this call with, they were all made by a mass process. Insurance companies mass process thousands of claims every day. They don't have the time or money to look at each one individually. Instead, they have pre-decided which procedure codes fit with which diagnosis codes. So if you're denied, the first thing you need to do is call the insurance company and hear from a human, not a computer. Find out what CPT procedure code was used and what ICD-9 diagnosis code the doctor's billing office used and whether they fit together. If they don't, call the doctor, tell them to change the code, and rebill. When my wife was in speech therapy to help her with breathing problems, uh, claims were initially denied. And we had gotten a bill from a speech pathologist saying she had to pay upwards of $2,000 because the insurance didn't. And I panicked, and I called my friend Megan at our insurance company, who said the doctor used the ICD-9 code for fatigue, which isn't a match for the speech therapy. So I called the billing office of the speech pathologist, and we found a better code, 748.3, problem with the larynx. And the billing person faxed it to my wife's neurologist. She wrote a new prescription. She faxed it back to the billing person. She faxed it to the insurer. And it was paid three days later. CPT procedure code. 
ICD-9 diagnosis code. And the third thing you need to know is what's in the SPD, the summary plan description about your insurance plan. This is a thick book that spells out what your insurance will and will not cover, what limits they have, and how much you have to pay. I like to keep both a paper version and an electronic version. For a given treatment, like compounded medicine, there's three possible answers to whether your plan covers it. Yes, no, or only if medically necessary. Many people mistakenly think they won't get coverage or they have a limit when the plan actually will cover it if you can show it's medically necessary. For example, a limit on durable medical equipment. But if you can show that your wheelchair is medically necessary, they may cover the full amount. Your SCD will state that. The point of getting on the phone and getting the CPT, the ICD-9, and the SPD is to get as much information as you can about why that claim was denied. Tip number four, appeal. But before you even appeal, get on the phone and then put this in writing if you don't get a response and ask for their policy on how they determine medically necessary. And they must respond to you within 30 days or owe $110 per day fine. Now, if you can't find your SPD of what your insurance will and won't cover, you can also ask for that too. Now, these policies that, uh, that you should try to get, these policies describing what they deem medically unnecessary, they really fired me up. They're not scientific, in my opinion. Our insurance physical therapy policy had plagiarized over 25 paragraphs. They had contradicted the paragraph they copied. They had misspelled author names. And their bibliography was mostly articles from 10 to 17 years ago. Their physical therapy policy didn't even have a single reference, not even an old one, on neuromuscular diseases. If I had written papers like that when I was in college, I would have been thrown out. So when you find this document, either from their website or by requesting it, it at least gives you more information on what you need to do to get coverage. Second, you can also ask by phone or by letter if they don't respond before you appeal for the name and credentials of the person who actually denied it at the insurance company. Now, I had explained that insurance companies process claims very fast, and that means they don't necessarily give it the full and fair review. That's why you must appeal, and you can use this knowledge of the person that reviewed it and their, their policy to write it. You can explain why you're undergoing this procedure or need this treatment. You can explain that their policies don't even mention neuromuscular diseases if they don't. Um, you can mention the doctors that you've been to, how many, their names, their specialty, their board certifications. You can find your doctor's biographies on the web, because a lot of them, you just find a picture of them, and print it out and include it with your appeal so they know and they can see the board certifications of the physicians you've seen. And the reason is because a lot of the physicians at the insurance companies are usually, usually just general practitioners who have no specialty or no, especially not neuromuscular diseases. And then I suggest you include relevant, but not all of your medical records. And not all of them because they may see something that they find a way to deny it. So just include the relevant ones. Now, if you or your doctor have any scientific literature or you can find anything in a publication, <coughs> include it. 
a big thing is don't get emotional. And this is where, when I first, when I first gave this talk in November, this is where I needed to follow my own advice. Because, you know, they're, they're not really trying, they're not really motivated to pay your bills. So, so, it kind of takes an emotional toll on you because everything you have to do. And at first, you want to appeal internally. And if you lose, depending on your insurance plan, you may be able to appeal to your state or to an external organization. H. Jackson Brown said that in the confrontation between the stream and the rock, the stream always wins. Not by strength, but by perseverance. So if you persevere, you have the advantage, and you're more likely to win. Tip number five, my most important tip, do not delay. There are deadlines. Deadlines when adding a new member of your family, 30 days. Deadlines on when you have to appeal a decision, 90 to 180 days. Deadlines on when they must respond to you. Get the advantage by acting on bills and denials right away. Don't wait. Being busy or at the hospital is not an excuse. Insurance companies, I have found, are actually not that organized. And I'm one of the most organized people you'll ever meet. I scan all my wife's medical records. I, I recently got a Fujitsu F1300 scanner, and I love this scanner. And I just got it two months ago, but I wish I'd had it two years ago when I was scanning all this for my wife. And I scan all her records into PDF files. And I use Acrobat Scanner to organize these PDF files on my computer. And neither the scanner nor Acrobat were cheap, but they're well worth it. And I said to the scanner, I wish I'd had the scanner a long time ago. I also use a free web software called Evernote to keep track of all these documents. I use Evernote also to store pictures of business cards, and I use Evernote to record notes from phone calls. I then have a to-do list system called SuperFocus. It's by a person named Mark Forrester, and I use that to manage the importance and the urgency of all the things I have to do. I listen to a podcast called The Get It Done Guy, and he has a lot of tips for staying organized if you're interested. The new health care reform, the, the Patient Protection Act called Obamacare, it makes it clear that delays by the insurance company are not acceptable. So if you can stay organized, it will give you the advantage. Tip number six, mail everything certified mail with return receipt. This way, you have proof that you sent it, and you have proof they received it. For one of our physical therapy appeals, the insurance company chose not to respond. I had mailed it from the post office certified mail. I had then gone on the Postal Service website, entered in the tracking number, and signed up for the return receipt email. A few days later, I got a PDF file with a picture of the signature, date, and time. When the insurance company did finally respond with three different responses, I had proof that it took... 157 days. Now, during those 157 days, I emailed them a lot, and I got a lot of nonsense responses back, and each one of those, I printed it out as a PDF file and saved it as a PDF file on my computer. Tip number seven, ask for in-network reimbursement of highly specialized out-of-network providers. As most of you know, there's not a whole lot of doctors specializing in mitochondrial diseases. Many of them don't take insurance and or require cash up front. Now, you may think that you can't afford these doctors, but you can. 
you can call your insurance's pre-certification line and ask that they be approved for in-network because they're so highly specialized. Now, the first time we did this, we were denied. And so we appealed it, and then we won our appeal. But not only did they agree to in-network reimbursement, they agreed to throw out the watered-down reasonable and customary rates and go with the doctor's bill rate as the in-network rate. So we also did this for genetic tests at Athena and Prevention Genetics and Transgenomics. And we had to do that because the tests at these places cost a lot more than the reasonable and customary rate. Now, at times, we had to fight a little. And they made a lot of mathematical errors on the explanation of benefits. So I had to check those closely. But in the end, all of my wife's tests were covered in network. Tip number eight, ask for help. Because of the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act, every state has an office to help people with, with health insurance issues and appeals. You need to find them. Now, if your insurance is an individual policy, or what is called a fully insured policy, which many small companies have, you may be able to file a complaint with your state insurance commissioner if they're having problems. If your employer is a multi-state company, it's regulated by the United States Department of Labor, and you can contact their local field office. Finally, there's a great nonprofit called Advocacy for Patients with Chronic Illnesses. They write a thousand appeal letters a year for free. And I read their blog every morning covering health insurance news. You should read their blog every morning to get signs. The first thing I do every morning. Um, you can also hire a benefit advocate service, which you can find on the internet. Reach out for help. Don't wait and don't make excuses, especially if your first appeal is denied. And tip number nine, build and maintain relationships. Good relationships will motivate people to help you. Good relationships will motivate people to give you information, like secrets on how to get things covered, results from a test, or inside information on why a claim was denied. Good relationships will motivate people to do things for you, some of which you can't do yourself. For the longest time, I've been interested in communication, especially communication related to job hunting like presenting yourself well in interviews and networking. And I use those relationship techniques for dealing with insurance companies and getting care for my wife. Now, this topic is a whole chapter in my book. I'm giving a talk just on this topic tomorrow somewhere else. But let me just give you a synopsis. We'll start with the major players in your healthcare, the insurance companies. If someone in the insurance company's phone line is really helpful, ask for their direct number so you can call them and only them in the future. That's the Megan friend I mentioned earlier when the speech pathology claims were denied. Because Megan knew our case, she knew I was credible and was able to provide so much help when they made the mathematical errors or when providers didn't submit paperwork correctly. When my wife was getting approved for her Twilight wheelchair, we made sure to get to know the case manager at our insurer. In the four weeks it took for the physical therapist to put together their paperwork, we talked to this case manager. She gave us tips on what the medical necessity letter needed to say. So luckily, that physical therapist knew exactly how our insurer wanted the letters written. When that letter finally came to the insurance company, they approved it in less than 24 hours. Part of it was the relationship with the case manager. Part of it was because of the relationships that helped them find that physical therapist who specialized in wheelchairs. Another set of players in your healthcare is your doctor and physical therapist and his or her staff, the admins, the nurses, the assistants, the medical record folks, and the billing folks. 
Make sure you know all their names. So when you call, you know who to ask for, and they know who you are. Buy them cookies or send them cards. At my wife's primary neurologist, everyone there knows who I am. In a good way. Not necessarily everybody else, but another thing, keep in touch with your original physicians. Keep in touch with them every few months by writing a letter in Microsoft Word and faxing it to them for using a free fax service like faxzero.com. You don't have to go to Staples or Pinkos. You just scan it, or if you have it already in Word, you just fax it with faxzero.com. The famous specialized doctors, they can help you with getting a diagnosis or a treatment, but your forms, your medicine refills, your test results, they will go a lot faster if you use a physician whom you have a relationship with, especially if you've gotten to know their staff. For my wife, the majority of the tests she had were ordered by her primary neurologist, local neurologist. Usually they were requested by another physician, but we always went back to that neurologist because her assistant Barbara always mailed the results to me to us fast. Similarly, while another physician started my wife's mitochondrial cocktail, our local neurologist took over the prescription. When we had to remove the vitamin E um, because she was taking blood thinner right after having the baby, I just called Barbara to take care of it. The third player are the vendors you work with, the labs, the wheelchair distributors, and the pharmacists, because their paperwork will affect whether their services are covered or not. If we found our pharmacists through the International Academy of Compounding Pharmacists, our pharmacist knows the different ways he has to submit cocktails to different insurance companies and knows how the doctors need to write it up. We found that physical therapist who wrote the medical necessity letter from our wife's wheelchair by talking to the distributor. By having a relationship, he or she is more likely to look out for you, and that gives you the advantage. Now, my most important tip was do not delay. This is second. It's so important to build relationships and keep in touch. People often ask me for help, and I email them information. But most often, I never hear from them. Well, often, a lot of times I do with excuses of not having time to look at whatever I sent them. Now, I'm, I'm, my wife has a relative whose child is having problems. I'm positive it's the same once a serious disease my wife has. But this relative rarely replies to my emails. She says her child keeps her busy. I mean, I could help her. I can tell her what tests and treatments to do. But she needs to reply back to me. You never know when a connection you have could help me. So on that note, let me address when someone is not helpful or too busy. Smile, be polite, and move on. I've read on discussion groups how someone made a face at a doctor for the rest of the appointment because she didn't like what he said about her child. You really need to consider, is your goal to somehow force people to help you, or is it to recruit people who, who want to help you? It's a small world, so just keep that in mind before you, you know, make a bad face or a bad mouth someone. Use relationship power first. Until my book comes out, which may be a while, if you want to read more about the topic of building and maintaining relationships, just Google job networking, and you can, you can read about it that way. Now, it's sad that we have to do all of this for our health. Unfortunately, the laws heavily favor the insurance companies. It's very hard for you to sue them if you get worse, get injured, or die because of their denial. But with these nine tips, you'll have an advantage for staying on top of claims, for finding more about them, and having relationships so you can quickly act on problems. 
I got into this because I was so angry with how our insurer haphazardly denied my wife physical therapy. The science behind their decisions was really, really bad. And we waited 157 days for them to respond to our appeal. And they gave us three different responses. Now, some of the new regulations from the healthcare reform will help with these issues. Now, I also created a blog to post our story and share more tips. The website is at www.healthinsfrustrations.com. You can go on my website and read the articles I've written and sign up for alerts on new ones. I'll also let you know when I finish the book. So Sam Parker and Matt Anderson noted that at 211 degrees Fahrenheit, water is hot. At 212 degrees, it boils. But with boiling water comes steam, and steam can power a locomotive. The extra degree, the extra effort, can reap exponential rewards. I hope I have motivated you to make the extra effort to get your health insurer to pay for scientifically appropriate care. And with these nine tips, I hope I've either given you the skills or showed you where to turn. So good luck, and I look forward to hearing from you on my blog. Thank you so much, Samir, uh, for those wonderful tips and great presentation. I'm sure that this will be a wonderful discussion we can have with uh, folks who are uh, interested in questions and um, sharing some of their experiences or um, asking for your ideas on ways they can overcome particular uh, insurance obstacles. So why don't we actually just open up the call now for questions. So bear with me a second while we hear a couple beeps. All right, so let's see if we can uh, have a few questions and open this up for discussion. Who would like to throw out the first question or insurance problem for ideas? Okay, Samir, I have a question that uh, I have come in over email uh, about the Mito cocktail, and you and I had talked about this a little a little bit as well. So lots of patients are finding that um, as healthcare reform moves along and insurance companies are tightening up, that the Mito cocktail is denied. And I wondered if you had any experience or ideas with that, and I'll share mine as well. So we have not had any problems with our cocktail for my wife, but like we've talked about, there have been some other problems. I would say that, first off, the, the biggest thing that can help is having a good relationship with your pharmacist and your doctor. So start checking with your pharmacist first and, and find out what they know. Maybe you need to go to some other pharmacist and talk about any types of, any types of issues they had or what they learned. I've talked with our pharmacist about it, and he knows which, which health insurers have more problems than others and which don't. Then what you and I had talked about is there, there's, these, there's a new way that, pharma, that pharmacy companies have to report or file claims for, for, for drugs now that's going to affect with on January 1st. It has to do with more of the computer systems. And it seems like the way the system works is they have to submit every ingredient instead of just the most um, expensive ingredient. And so the insurance companies, maybe are seeing more information and they're denying it. 
And then if, if, if that's the case and, you know, you're having trouble and you've tried talking to your pharmacist, then you have to step forth and work on an appeal and um, find papers and and start putting something together to show them, you know, why it's medically necessary. And I, because we haven't had problems, I haven't researched this enough, but I think it comes down to getting the information when you get denied, call them, find out what it was, get the letter, scan the letter in so you can send it to other people. Um, if it's based on medical necessity, find out the, the name of the person that denied it, um, and get all this information, and then share this with your pharmacist, and and then think about it in a path forward to go from there. And I'll share also that um, from my experience, one of the first things that I think you should do is make sure that a compounding pharmacy is uh, working with you for the mitococcial. Um, and I'd love to hear feedback from you all, the callers, as well. But I know there are many patients, especially adult patients, who are going to, um, you know, Costco or GNC or Walmart and buying CoQ10 and other ingredients for the Costco over-the-counter and then managing that themselves. If you have a mito specialist who is recommending the mito cocktail for you and is then also able to give you a prescription, you can take that prescription to a compounding pharmacy, which you can find compounding pharmacies uh, online through the International Association of Compounding Pharmacies. And find one in your area. Or there are two compounding pharmacies in Massachusetts who are very helpful and experienced with mitochondrial disease patients. That's Acton Pharmacy and America's Compounding Center. And they'll help you to, if they can't prepare it for you because of where you live, they'll help you to find and talk to a compounding pharmacist in your area. I've even seen those pharmacists uh, give tips to other pharmacists on how to make it. The reason that that's important is that then that is billed through your insurance. And that takes me to kind of the second piece of this, which is the compounding meds sometimes are denied. However, um, there are a lot of rules and regulations for compounding pharmacies, just like there are for doctor's offices. And it goes back to some of Samir's tips of making sure that the right boxes are checked, if you will, just like your uh, letter for appeal might be denied if the ICD-9 code is um, something like fatigue, but it wouldn't be denied if it was something like, um, you know, muscle debilitation. Then you can have uh, a medical reason for the cocktail. And I've seen a lot of success when patients work with their compound pharmacy. Samira, would you add anything to that? And I'm no, no, that's, that's great, yeah. Yeah, and, and so from the group, what would you guys um, have to say about that? If you had difficulty getting your cocktail or, or success with um, some tips that you'd like to share with the group? I have a question, a follow-up question to what you both said, if that's okay. Go ahead, Monty. Um, the question uh, has to do with when you are referring to the mitochondrial cocktail, uh, it's a, kind of a multi-part question, but it all fits together, and you'll see how. Um, what the uh, components of the cocktail that you are referring to um, that uh, can or should be compounded, 
Um, and the reason that I'm asking is that some of the um, well-known mitochondrial doctors that I've spoken to in the past six months have said um, various things, including that they don't recommend it. And the other related question that I have is what the documentation is that we can supply to the insurance company to show that it's medically necessary when there doesn't seem to be a lot of research backing up uh, the use of um, um, pretty much anything besides Carnitor, and even that's a little dicey for adults. So I hope that's not too much rolled into one, but you get, you get the idea. I can start with the first part. So, um, so you were saying... Well, first of all, just very concretely, when you're talking about the mitococcal that you've gotten covered, what's in it? I don't, I don't, I'm not exactly sure. Um, I, I don't remember what's exactly, I have to look it up. Okay. Um, Christy, uh, in Massachusetts? Well, so in general, in the mitococcal, because um, these pharmacies, even in Massachusetts, are licensed in many other states and will ship. So right. across the board, I think what you're talking about is the B vitamins, the antioxidants like vitamin C and E, L-carnitine, some other supplements like alpha-lipoic acid, selenium, uh, and then a creatine, monohydrate, CoQ10, either in the form of ubiquinone or ubiquinol. Okay. And then there are other less common ingredients such as leucovorin calcium, ribose, uh, acetyl-L-carnitine, that can also be included. What was the last kind of carnitine that you mentioned? Acetyl L carnitine. So it's a different form of L carnitine. Okay. Um, and MCT oil? I have not had that included in the cocktail. Now that's not to say that hasn't been um, submitted for insurance as a medical food, but okay. I haven't had it. I haven't seen it in the cocktail. And so when it's submitted for insurance, um, the well, rationale given to the insurance company is what? Well, let me, let me, just, let me just add one other thing. So okay. In terms of what you put in the cocktail, mm -hmm. some of the doctors may be saying not to put it in the cocktail because it may not be stable in the liquid form. I see. And so then you would take it, because I do know that my wife takes a vitamin B50 tablet and a vitamin C separate from the cocktail. And the reason is because our pharmacist felt that it wouldn't be as stable, so we wouldn't get as many days of shelf life. So we just take those as tablets, and they're cheap. So, so that's that's separate. So that may be a reason why either the farm, most likely the pharmacist, but perhaps the doctors are saying don't put it in the cocktail. Okay, I agree. Most likely the pharmacist would tell you that. So mm -hmm. they say of all these things, this one would be either cheaper or more stable. Um, in fact, for a long time, the compounding pharmacists were not able to carry a compounded form of ubiquinol because they felt that it wasn't stable. Mm -hmm. And now there is availability of ubiquinol in the compounded form. So prior to that, people were buying that online. Primarily, doctors were recommending the Tishcon brand through Epic for Health. Right, yeah. Which has... Um, reported great success amongst a lot of patients, but is not covered by insurance because mm -hmm. you're ordering it yourself online. So you're paying out of pocket for that. 
And I feel like you should give it every shot possible if you have insurance to have your insurance pay for that first. The rationale is that this is the um, recommended treatment for mitochondrial disorder. And there are a couple articles that back that up. So when patients come to to MitoAction saying, um, I've been denied, the first thing I'll say is, where are you getting the medicines, you know? Um, or if they tell me, how can I continue to pay $500 a month for, you know, the 12 bottles of things that I'm buying? Agreed. From Costco. And then, so the first thing I'll say is go through a compounding pharmacy because they do some of the work for you in helping make sure that it gets covered. The second thing that I'll say if it's denied is then I will often write a letter on behalf of patients for what their diagnosis is, ask their doctor to do the same, stating that it's medically necessary, and then include an article um, that's useful. And the article is on the website. It's, it's the best article so far, I feel like, that states clearly what the cocktail ingredients are and that it's uh, treatment. And um, it's the article that was published in 2009 in Neurology. And, um, you know, I think the easiest way to find it is it's attached on the page where Dr. Anselm gave a talk. Would you spell that, please, Christy, the doctor's name? Yes. So if you do a search on the MitoAction website for her last name, um, you should be able to find it. And, Samir, maybe I'll link it to this page, too. But her last name is Anselm, A-N-S-E-L-M. Thank you. And she, Irina is her first name. She gave a great talk a couple years ago about uh, an update in treatment approaches for mitochondrial disease and the Mitochondrial Medicine Society, which she is a part of, um, and she's on MitoAction's board as well, wrote this article about an update in treatment options for mitochondrial disease. It's an excellent article and I feel like is the first document to go to when you are trying to demonstrate that. Of interest, it also talks about exercise, because, Samir, you were talking a little bit about your experience, particularly advocating for physical therapy, which I also think is something that every patient should try to get, um, to some degree at least. And it also talks about exercise as a treatment option for mitochondrial disease patients, and so uh, going through physical therapy is really the only safe way for a mitochondrial disease patient to to do that, and that's what talks about that in the article. But I want to mention that as you approach this for the cocktail, start with um, some of the tips, like open up the STD for your insurance plan and first check what they say about the compounding. And then, as, like Christy said, start with it with a true compounding pharmacist. So you know, we found ours through that International Academy of Compounding Pharmacists. I looked on their website and put in our zip code. So start with that, and if you get denied, Make sure you get the full denial letter from them and find out everything that was there um, before you respond. So that way you have all the information. Um, Samir and Christy, in the cocktail, are, are um, the compounding pharmacists including a liquid form of carnitine? So what the compounding is doing is they're, they're putting – the drugs are all in solid form. So uh-huh. what we're doing is we're putting the solid form in a liquid, and, and then they have a suspending agent that holds it in suspension so it doesn't all fall to the bottom. That's what essentially a compounding drug is. 
and most of these drugs will not dissolve in water. So. What's also great about the compounding, in addition to having, I think, an avenue to have it covered by right. insurance, is that, um, for example, CoQ10 is um, better absorbed when suspended in a lipid, so like olive oil or vitamin E oil. And so those compounding pharmacists know that and will do that so that you are getting more effective use of the ingredients as well. It's certainly frustrating that there is not an FDA-approved um, treatment for mitochondrial disease. I, you know, that's probably kind of the Achilles heel of the whole discussion. When I am trying to help patients and smear if you have had any responses from insurance companies saying the same thing, is that, you know, they're looking for this FDA approval which is frustrating because it's a little bit of a cop-out response because in medicine, um, as healthcare providers, we use, um, you know, off-label uses for things all the time, you know. Um, for example, you know, um, Benadryl is an antihistamine. It's supposed to be used in allergic reactions, but in some pediatric patients, it helps a lot with nausea and vomiting. So it doesn't mean that they were having an allergic reaction, but it's, it works. So it doesn't mean that they do anything wrong by using that. That's a simple over-the-counter medicine. So we, I mean, we do that so commonly and so frequently in medicine that it's a little bit of, um, you know, a catch-22 to say, well, there's none FDA approved. Uh, I agree with that, and I'd, I'd like to hear from, uh, you know, other people on the line and Samir as well about this. Um, but the overall problem that I think we have in getting stuff covered, treatment covered for MITO, is that most of what we take is classified by insurers as a nutritional supplement. And they are, as a class, uh, in most um, uh, plans, in black and white, not covered under plants. And I've seen this before I was on Medicare and after I was on Medicare. I've seen it when I was on conventional Medicare. I've seen it in uh, all kinds of different uh, HMO and PPO Medicare plans that I've been in. And that is the automatic rejection that you get no matter what the doctor says because it's classified as a nutritional supplement. So I asked that question to, to our pharmacist when we got our first cocktail, and he said that the way the doctor, our doctor, had written it up, that he had provided, I think, the NDC numbers, like if he listed it as a drug, because he provided the NDC numbers as a drug, and the doses that he was using were too high to be considered, like, nutritional. That's really, That's told really concrete and useful. That's N, N is a Nancy DC? Yeah, it's, it's a number assigned to, to drugs. I didn't know that there were NDC numbers for vitamin supplements. I, I and coffee can. <laughs> I have the NDC numbers. That would be great if we could so, post them. Well, I don't, I have them from the compounding pharmacist, mm -hmm. you know, so um, email me if you need that and I will ask them if it's appropriate to share. But, I, yeah, because I think it's something that you get more from the doctor. Um, and it, I, it, this comes back to how the doctor wrote it up. 
Um, I have we have to tell the doctor what to write. I think that it's useful to know that there are NBC numbers and to know what they are. Absolutely. We're facing that kind of denial. So, okay. Um, you know? Well, you know, the other uh, interesting point about MCT oil is that it is used in, and Christy, this, you know, is agrees completely with what you just said. Um, it, MCT oil is used in um, post-surgical patients and cancer patients and I think AIDS patients. And it's used by itself or it's used as part of a, a supplement drink, something like Ensure, to help with weight maintenance and weight gain. But uh, taken separately, it is classified as a nutritional supplement and you can't get it covered. Um, it's frustrating, and I think that, you know, one thing that I think is a takeaway message from um, Samir, your organization of notes and experience, is that um, I know I can speak as a parent and on behalf of the patients who I've helped to advocate for that if you're in the hospital or if, you know, you're dealing with symptoms or if you're dealing with doctor's appointments, this does not become a high priority to call the insurance <laughs> company, right, within the the short window that they give you in order to respond. But it sounds like that's critically important and good to know because I also feel like, um, you know, I talk about this in my book a little bit, how difficult it is to compartmentalize your emotional response to things like this. So you get the denial for something and it kind of opens up your emotional response to everything that's going on related to your mitochondrial disease and your situation right now. And then the last thing you want to do is go be on hold and spend an hour of your precious energy and time that day to deal with the insurance. Samir, would you talk a little bit more about that patient advocacy organization that you mentioned, what they do and how you, how you can get them to help? Well, it, it's a nonprofit, and they have attorneys there who, who can help with insurance appeals, and they know a lot about health insurance and you know, about special education. And I have only dealt with them a little bit. Um, I read their blog every morning because it's post the new blog by 8 a.m. every morning. So I read that every day. Um, but they, they're there to help people and they just take donations. Um, so that's, that's um, 